Thank you, Ron, for, for filling in for uh, the, the folks. The, uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, let's begin with the word of prayer as we prepare our hearts and our minds for the word of God. Father in heaven, we humbly bow as we're gathered together here in your house, Father. Uh, we're going to study about your house a little bit today. Father, you knew, you knew thousands of years ago that this group of individuals would be gathered here today to hear this portion of the word. There is something in it for all of us. But there is some. That needed to be here today. To hear what this says. I pray father that right now. Romans chapter 1 says. I am not ashamed. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it. Is the power of God. Unto salvation. And so father I pray. That your Holy Spirit will be here today. It's his job. To convict the hearts of us. For sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to open up our minds and our understanding of your word. I pray, Father, that it gives us a wonderful picture of how you constantly seek. How you constantly put your word out. How that you constantly are waiting for those to come to him. And we don't always come by conventional means. There are different ways to approach, and we're going to see today a much different way, but it was all according to your plan. And so, Father, your grace, your mercy, and your long-suffering, and your patience, we're so thankful for such is our story. So, Father, by your word and by this, may you be glorified and exalted. And, Father, may our hearts be touched and our lives be changed and may we live it to serve you. Even if we're water carriers and log splitters. In the name of Jesus Christ we ask this. Amen. Alright. Joshua chapter 9 if you want to turn there. We've been in Joshua for a couple months now. I don't know about you. But I have learned so much from Joshua. I, I am learning so much. But the thing that I'm learning about is threads. I'm learning about the threads that run all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And how that when the Lord was here, if you will remember, he said to them, to the ones who did not want to believe in him, to the ones who were derailing him, he, he said to them, you know what, you guys search the scriptures all the time. For in them you think that you have an eternal life. Indeed, you, you would, but every page of that Old Testament points to me. And you will not believe. I, want us, I am so amazed how that's when your mind begins to grasp that concept, 
How that you will begin to see Jesus on every page of that Old Testament. And, and how he works and how it responds to us today in that. So if you're there in Joshua 9, we'll start quickly at the beginning for those who, who wasn't here last week. But it, it's, it's really a fantastic story. This, this is a story that I, I want you to, to be able to grasp the depths of this. It's marvelous. It's a story of the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites, Joshua and them, they've come into the land and they're starting to do their things. And it says that when, they, when the people of the land heard what Joshua and Israel's done to Jericho and Ai, that these Gibeonites began to work craftily. They, they began to devise a scheme that was to save their hides. They started working a plan to deceive Israel into thinking that they were from a faraway country and that they wanted a peace treaty with them. And you know why they did that? Because they were next on the list. There was Jericho, Ai, and they're getting ready to go to Gibeah. Gibeah knew it, and so they said, what can we do to stop this progression? What, what can we do to save ourselves? So they came, and they wanted to make a peace contract. You know, we hear a lot about that in the news today, too, over there in Jerusalem and Israel, don't we? A peace contract, a peace treaty. Let's make a treaty with the nations. So they wanted a peace treaty. They wanted a covenant with, with the God of Israel and with Joshua to, to ensure their safety and their, their dwelling in peace. So Joshua and the leaders gathered together when they came in. And these, these ambassadors, they said, our people called us, wanted us to be ambassadors and to come here. And we come from a far, far, far country way away. And they're looking at them and they're saying, how do we know that? How do we know that you came from a real far country? And they said, well, look, look at the packs that's on our donkeys. Look at our sandals. Look at our clothes. Our bread. This bread was fresh baked when we left. And now look, it's all crusty and old and moldy. We are from a far place. But you'll notice that they never said where. It's not like they said, oh, we're from Nineveh. Or we came from the land of the Terabytes. That's a computer term that sounds like all of those things. I thought I'd just throw that one in there. <laughs> I made that one up. But said, you know, they never gave a place like that that they were from. All they kept saying was, we're far away. We're from this far away land. They was very vague, and, and they were being actually deceitful, trying to lead them in. Now, one of the keys that we found out uh, last week was when they said all of that, Joshua said this, hey there, you little skippies, not so fast. You need to prove a little bit more. Well, when they handed that bread and said all of these things, it's one of the crux of our story was this. So here's one thing, please take with you this week. It says they saw the bread and assumed that they must have been telling the truth and they did not ask at the mouth of the Lord. So they did not seek counsel from the Lord God. What they did was... was they looked at what was presented to them and tried to make a decision on their own. Uh, how does that work out for you? If, if you go through life without seeking counsel of the Lord, 
And just going by my own understanding, man, I got a scripture that says that it's not in man to direct his own steps. If, if we try to do that, we're going to get in trouble. And you know what? Joshua and them's going to get in trouble here in a minute. Because they're going to try to direct their own steps. They're going to try to go their own way. And they keep forgetting to ask the Lord and to seek his help. But you know what? We've got the same thing, don't we? The word of God, the Bible. All we have to do is turn to it. we got a question. We, we seek it at the mouth of the Lord. We turn into that. So they are going on for this deception, though. So we're from this far country. And here's what they told them. They said, the, we heard all the way over where we were at about the Lord your God. We heard all that he did in Egypt. I think this is around verse 9. We heard everything they'd done to the Amorites. And so they, they gave all this history. And he said, because we heard all of this, we were chosen to come here and make this treaty with you. And then in verse 12, they gave him the bread. And look how fresh breaked it is. And they didn't seek the word of God. So now, when Joshua and the princes of Israel made a covenant with them, they, they took in all of that and they said, okay, we'll make a covenant with you. And they made this peace treaty. And what they did, though, was they swore an oath to the Lord God of heaven, the Lord God of Israel, that we will protect you and keep you in peace. Guess what happens next? <laughs> in, in, in verse 15 or in 18, we have a pickle. In 16, it says, three days later, they found out that they had been skinned but good by these guys. And they were not from a far country, but they were their neighbors. Now, what do you do when you get skinned good like that? <laughs> huh? You've already committed yourself. You've already made an oath. And you got skinned. Now what do you do? Because in verse 18 it says we've got a problem. Houston, there's a problem. I want to ask you a question. I want you to ponder on this. It's said in the Word of God, and we read it last week in Deuteronomy. We had chapter 20 and chapter 7 that said you're supposed to go into the land and all of the people that are in that land, destroy them. Because if you don't, their, their sins and their iniquities have built up over the years and there's not a one of them that does what's right. And so they, their iniquity is full. And if you leave them, they will change you to follow them. Oh, boy, the enemy doesn't want you all to hear that part. Now we're going to shout. There we go. See, he, he does this every once in a while, doesn't he, Miss T? He, you guys have been here, you know, every once in a while, whenever there's something, this must be good. The Holy Spirit must be on a roll in this because he's not wanting you to hear. But there's a problem. The Word of God said that you're supposed to destroy him. And it also said you will not make a covenant agreement with them. But all of a sudden now, You've made the covenant agree with them, with them and you swore an oath of God. So I want you to ponder something. I want you to answer a question in your, to yourself. What would you do in this situation now? You've made a mistake because you made a covenant agreement with them. You, you swore by the name of the Lord your God. But you also have the word of God that you take a look at. 
that says, I was supposed to do something else. So do you go back and do what the Word of God told you to do? And say, it's all null and void anyway. This contract is null and void because they lied to me to get me to give them this oath. Or do you honor the oath that you made to God? Isn't that a pickle? Do I honor the oath that I made in the name of the Lord? Or do I follow his word and what he told me to do? And even our laws today say that if someone tricked you that bad and they lied and they deceived you and they sold you uh, a pig in a poke. That was on an old cartoon when I was a kid. Pig in a poke. You remember that? I think it was, I, it was Popeye or somebody. But anyway, I, I still remember that. So you got sold a pig in a poke, so doesn't that make it null and void? My contract, my oath that I gave. And so shouldn't I just destroy him and go follow the word of God and what he said to do? What would you do? What, what, what's going on here? So, do you think God is going to honor the oath? Or do you think he wants you to go back and follow what he said to, to do whenever he was back in there? That's a good question, isn't it? That's the one that Joshua and the leaders have now because when you get skinned <laughs> and you've been deceived and you fell for it, now you, you get what? Mad, don't you? You get a little angry. You want a little bit of revenge, don't you? If there was one time that the children of Israel wanted to do what God had told them to do, it was now. Oh, Joshua, he said, we're supposed to get them. Let's go after them because they deceived us anyway. So they were mad. They were arguing with the leaders. They're saying, look what you guys got us into. We need to do what was right. So all the people in verse 18 are complaining against Joshua's and the leaders, but they said, we're not going to attack them. We're not going to do it. They gave a principle in verse 19. They said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, and now therefore we are not going to attack them, yea, we cannot touch them. So I want to pause here for a moment and I want to commend these leaders. Because you know what's one of the worst things that you can do? Especially when you've made a mistake, what? Yeah, I remember my grandpa saying that a man is only as good as his word. You remember that? And a handshake should be able to seal the deal. And But, but not only that, the principle is you don't correct a mistake by making another mistake. You, you don't correct a mistake that you made by either lying about it or by making another mistake. Two mistakes, three mistakes, four mistakes don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. What makes a right is doing it right. So I want to commend Joshua because it wasn't a popular thing to do. All of them was arguing against him. I want to commend our elders and our leaders because they've faced problems like that in the past. They've faced times when things weren't popular, but they stood for truth and says, we're not going to make an error. We're going to go ahead and go with what the Word of God says. So if you have a leadership who can admit times when they're wrong, but also say that two wrongs don't make a right, so we're going to do what's right from here on, that 
is something that God honors. And we're going to see that here in a minute. So that's a sign of great leadership. So Joshua says, this is what we're going to do. They will live. Look at verse 20. They will live lest the wrath of God would be upon us because of the oath that we swore to them. Do you ever think about that? A lot of times we make oaths pretty quickly, don't we? And without thinking, and we, we give a word, and then whenever time comes, it, it becomes hard to keep that. He said, I don't want the wrath of God coming back on us. So the rulers chimed in then. They said, Joshua, if that's what you're going to do, if that's what the course that we're going to take in this is to honor the oath, then here's what I want us to do. How about we let them live, but because they deceived us, let's make them slaves. Let's make them woodcutters and water carriers for the, the congregation and for the Lord's house. Let, let's, let's make them do that. We're going to make them pay for it, in other words. So verse 22, these ambassadors from a far country, also known as the Gibeonites next door now, Joshua calls them up, calls them forward after they've had this discussion and figured out what they're going to do. And he calls them up and he said, you guys deceived us. Why did you deceive us? You said you came from a very far country, but you dwell right here next to us. Now, therefore, I want you to know you are cursed. Joshua says you're cursed. And none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers. You will be for the house of my God. Wow. Cursed. Do you hear that? I said you're cursed, and you're going to be slaves. None of you will be freed from this thing. You're going to have to carry water and cut wood and do all of our heavy work. Well, I want you to listen close now to the response of these men, the Gibeonites. Listen, listen to what they say back whenever Joshua tells them this. Their answer was, we're your servants. And be, here's the reason why we deceived you so much. And did this thing because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you this land and to destroy the inhabitants of the land before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because of you. And that is why we have done this thing. I want to ask you something. If you knew something like that and about your family and yourself and what was happening, wouldn't you now go and try to make a peace treaty and make amends and try to figure out how I can save my family? What can I do? The Lord God of Israel has said these things and so we had to devise this kind of a scheme so that we could protect our families and that we might not die by your hands. That is why we have done this. And so now, here we are. And we present ourselves to you as your servants. That's pretty humbling, isn't it? Now, therefore, and how do you like this? Now, therefore, that we are in your hands, do with us as it seems good for you to do. Wow. They're putting their trust in these guys who are wanting their hides because they got skinned by them. But they're saying, you do to us as it seems fit to you then. 
Well, Joshua said back to him, you've been delivered out of the hands. We didn't kill you. They wanted to, but you are going to be woodcutters and water carriers in the house of the Lord and before the congregation and before the altar of God forever for the rest of your lives. So I want, I want you to know that with that I say praise God. Praise God because we're going to find out in a minute that this story is our story. This story of these guys is our stories, but God has the final say. And God knows how to appoint things. So now I want the Holy Spirit to reveal to us exactly what all of this means from here. Because we were in a pickle. And there's a reason for it. They weren't supposed to make a covenant. But now they honored their oath. Because God is in charge. And he's in control. And he's leading this thing. So now. You say did God honor that covenant of not doing what his word had said, but doing what his oath said, even though they got skinned. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 21, if you got your Bibles with you. 2 Samuel chapter 21. We're going to see what God has to say about this, okay? This is 400 years later. This is the time of David when he's on the throne. And so we got 400 years have elapsed. And it says that now there was a famine in the land in the days of David. And it's been there for three years. Year after year. And that means there wasn't like a year of famine. And then a couple years of good. No. Year after year after year. Three years in a row. There was a famine. And so David. What does it say that David did? He asked of the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So there's this famine going on, and David wants to know why. So he inquires of the Lord, what's happening, Lord? Why is this famine here? What can we do so that your people will have food and water and everything will be better? And the Lord answered David. You know what? I like it when it says that, that he answers us, don't he? Whenever we go, you don't receive because you have not asked. He said, David, you ask, someone will give you an answer. It's because of Saul. And his bloodthirsty house because he killed who? The Gibeonites. This is 400 years later and God is still honoring the oath that those men made to the Gibeonites. 400 years later, they're in a famine for three years and he's saying, why Lord? And he said, because Saul's bloodthirstiness went after the Gibeonites. Look what he says. So that they would be killed and so the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites, and we know this now from Joshua, they were not of the children of Israel, but they were the remnant of the Amorites. And they were the ones they were supposed to take out. But the children of Israel had sworn protection to them. Boy, God's honoring his oath, isn't he, that was made to his name. You swore protection to them, but... Saul sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and for Judah. Now I want to stop there. Wrongs don't make a right, right? We already saw that. But I want you to know something else. A zeal for the house of God, a zeal for God without doctrine, a zeal that is not based on the knowledge of the word of God is more disastrous and dangerous than doing nothing at times. 
you can have zeal and go off half-cocked thinking that you're working right for the Lord. But if it's not in accordance to His Word, you're tearing up Jack. And you're making things a lot worse. And there's some people doing that in the body of Christ across America and across this globe today. You've got to calm that zeal down. And you've got to get back to the Word of God and know what you're talking about. And don't be running anybody else down. Because it can be disastrous for you. Because watch what happens because Saul was zealous. And look who he was zealous for. It says that he was, they had sworn protection, but Saul sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. That's God's people. And he was zealous, and he thought that he was going to do something to make him look good, to make him popular. And it went against the word of God. So what's going to happen now? What happens when you do that? Therefore, verse 3, David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what can I make an atonement for that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? In other words, how do I make it up to you? What can we do to atone for this so that you will not think evil of God's heritage that's with us? And so the Gibeonites said to him, We don't want... Any silver or gold from Saul's house. Or for you to take revenge on any man in Israel for us. David said, okay, what is it then that you want? What can I do for you? They answered and said, the king, as for the man who consumed us, which is Saul, and plotted against us, we want that he should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel. Let seven of his descendants, that was all of them, be delivered to us and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king kept one back, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, Because the Lord's oath that was between David and Jonathan. You see there's another oath that was kept. Because of that. These Gibeonites in reality have learned something haven't they? They've learned what what would you have wanted to do. If somebody had come in. And killed all of your family members and all of the people around this, this town and this county. And they came back and said, what would you have us to do? How many of you would want real revenge? You would want a lot. And you want, might want some kind of monetary refund on some things and for damages done. These people said, I don't want any silver or gold. I don't want you to go out and to harm innocent people. But only this man's family paid just like our families paid. And that's it. That's what we ask. And David said, I'll do it. But I've made an oath with God, with Jonathan when he was here, that I'd always protect this son of his. And so I, I need to do that. And they said, okay, be it done. And it was give, the men was given over to him and they hanged him up. Until, until the sun went down, like that old Charlie Daniels song, I'm a simple man. Going to hang them up high on a tall tree and a short piece of rope and let them hang till the sun goes down. And that's what he did. Because God honored his word that Joshua had given these guys 400 years earlier. But I want you to see 
the humility of them. And you know why? Because these are saved people. Joshua said, you're cursed. I'm going to put you as water carriers and log splitters for the house of my God. And you know what that meant? Every day, they got to watch what went on at the tabernacle. Every day, they watched as those, and he said, before the altar of my Lord. So every day, they watched as those animals were placed on the altar. And when you hear altar in the Old Testament, you think of cross. Because that was God's final altar of his son that all of those represented. And so day after day, year after year, they were watching the work of God going on. That's not a curse, my friends. Serving in the house of God, no matter what it is, is not a curse. It's a blessing for you. And it was a blessing to them. And so they got to see that. And God honored the word and everything that was going on in that. And then, catch up to where I'm at. Go back before we move on. Go up to verse 1. That's why I needed to grab this because I would skipped it. You go up to verse 1. Go, go back, Miss T, to, yeah. Verse 1, there was a famine in the, in the land for how many years? Three? Three years there was a famine, year after year after year. Three years. I want you to know something. Whenever you see the number three appear, three means trinity. Three means redemption and salvation. It means good news in the gospel. Something's getting ready to happen. It was three years that the famine went on. There was something else that was represented in three that, that we skipped over a minute ago. Now we can move on to, back to Joshua 9. Come on back to Joshua 9 for me. And, and I want us to see the example of what's happening here. Because verse 16, oh, this is, going to, this is where we start getting good, folks. Are you ready to shout? This is where it gets good. Verse 16, look up there. What does it say? At the end of how many days? I see salvation coming. I see good news coming. I see God at work. Because what happens after three days? It was how many days was the Lord buried until He resurrected? Three days. He said there's not going to be any sign given to you. All you who are seeking signs. The only sign that's going to be given to you. Is just like the sign of Jonah. The son of man will spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish. Three days. When it says after three days we're talking resurrection power. We're talking about the word of God changing lives. And so now we've got after three days they found out that they were their neighbors. But they've been saved. I want you to go back and to listen to this now because we didn't emphasize it as we just read through it. Look at this. These are pagans. These are sinners. These are people in a land of abomination who should not be spared, who should have been doomed to destruction. But God saved them. And why did God save them after three days when they heard? Look at verse 21. We deceived you. Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God through Moses. Ray, faith comes by what? And hearing by what? 
What did these guys just do? We clearly what? Heard. From the Lord your God. Faith. There is their confession of faith, folks. That's a confession of faith. We heard clearly the word of God that was spoken through Moses. I am still fascinated how they heard this. How did they, all the way over here in Gibeah, hear what Moses was saying in the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter 20? How did they hear that? But we were clearly told. I've told you the doctrine of heathenism. That no matter where people are, if they come to God consciousness, the God brings the word to them so that they can be saved. And he will spare them out of whatever it is. We heard through that he commanded through Moses that he has given you the land and that permission was granted to destroy us, the inhabitants of it. And we were very much afraid. Confession of faith. They believed the word of God was true and what was getting ready to happen. Therefore, we did this. We hoped for grace, in other words. We thought that we might find a way for God's grace to save even us. And so we began doing this. And God searched out through there and found the heart of an entire nation. I was talking to a brother this morning. And he said, you know what? This should serve an example for our community and for our nation that we no longer repent in a corporate form, do we? We look at maybe one soul at a time here and there. But here is like Nineveh, an entire land, an entire city, an entire country of the Gibeonites that said, we want salvation. We want to repent and go the way of God because we've heard the word. Maybe this nation still has a chance if we will preach the truth. Amen? So then... The word of God saved them. We talked about how they heard. I skipped over this last week on purpose. I want to read it to you now. I'm going to do it from here. Go to Deuteronomy 20 again. You remember we had that. Deuteronomy chapter 20. When Moses was giving all these things. It said we heard clearly the word. I want you to look at how clearly they heard something and reacted to it. Man if we just had the faith of these guys. We're going to start in verse 10. This is, this is what Moses was telling them that God said for them to do when you go into the land. When you go near a city and you get ready to fight against it, proclaim an offer of peace. What did they come? Make us a peace covenant. Remember that? They came. They said, if you're not going to come and tell us, then we're going to come and ask you. But here's the thing. It wasn't supposed to be for them. Because look let's, let's keep on going. It shall be that if they accept your offer of peace. And they're open to you. Then all the people who are found. Shall be placed under tribute. In other words as slaves. Which they volunteered to do. We are your servants. And they will be placed under tribute to you. And serve you. Now if the city will not make the peace with you. But war. Then you will besiege it. And when the Lord your God delivers it into your hand, you will strike every male in it with the edge of the sword. But the women and the little ones and the livestock of the city and all of its spoil you can plunder for yourselves. And you will eat of the enemy's plunder which the Lord your God gives. Thus shall you do to all the cities that are what? Far away. What did these men keep telling them? Where are you from? And they said what? 
the word of God had been clearly told to them. We're not far away, but if we say we're far away, then maybe they'll make the peace treaty with us. So he said, this only applies, this peace treaty only applies to those that are far away from you. Now keep, keep reading. But of the cities, verse 16, of the people which the Lord gives you of an inheritance, uh, thus shall you do to the cities that are far away and not of the cities of the nations where you're going. Of the cities of these people, your God gives you an inheritance. That means your neighbors, the ones that are close right in here. You shall utterly, verse 17, destroy them. The Hittites, the Amorites. We just saw in Samuel that they were of the Amorites. So they heard the word of God clearly, they said to Joshua. And we saw that the only loophole that we could find in the word of God was that those who are far away that have faith and want an offer of peace and present themselves to you in tribute to you, those will be saved. And so this is why we deceived you. Because we believed the word of God. And we knew that we had no hope. We were doomed until we could convince you we were far away and that we wanted to offer you as servants to you and ask for peace. And that's why we did it. And Joshua then said, okay, we accept that, but you're going to do that. You're going to be the servants in the house of my God and his altar, bringing water and carrying wood. And that's why you were cursed, he says, and, and that you will fulfill this. And then they were saved from their past by their faith, weren't they? They were in a land that was doomed, and God had said their iniquity is full and we're going to go in and take care of them. So they were saved from their past. They were saved by their faith in God's word. And hoping for his grace. And they marched in themselves to their army. And presented themselves humbly seeking grace and mercy. Is that not what we do to God? We should have been doomed, shouldn't we? This is our story, people. This was played out in real time. But this is our story for us today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 as we get ready to close. This is our story. And while you're turning to chapter 2, I'm going to preface it with a little bit of chapter 1 of what Paul is praying for them about and what he wants for them. He says, I pray and keep you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give you a spirit of wisdom. That's what he gave those guys, didn't he? He said, and a revelation in the knowledge of him that your eyes might be opened up and enlightened, the eyes of your understanding enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance for you, the saints? And what is his exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe in the mighty works that he's going to do from Christ in whom he raised up from the dead and we have been raised up in the waters of baptism, raised up to be in Christ and in him. Now look at chapter 2. And you, here's our story. Think of the Amorites as you read this right here of what it says to you and I. And you and I 
he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We once walked according to the course of this world, didn't we? In all of its, uh, according to the prince of this world and the power of the air, the spirit who now continues to work in all of those who are disobedient, among whom we, I'm going to put I, once conducted myself in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of my flesh and my heart and my mind, and we were all by nature children of wrath, just as others, like the Gibeonites were. But God, some of the greatest words of the gospel of Jesus Christ is, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in those trespasses and sins just as they were and doomed for destruction. He has made alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace have you been saved. And he has now raised us up together with him and made us to sit together in heavenly places with Christ can you imagine that me who was once in sin far away in a far country once who was walking after the spirit of darkness that had a hold of me and he says but now God through his grace raised you up with Christ when you committed your life to him and set you next to him in heavenly places, and I cannot imagine a grace and a love like that. And his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus our Lord. By grace are you saved. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of your works. You can't boast about that. We are workmanship who was created in Christ Jesus for his good works. And then remember something. Keep in mind these Amorites. The children of Gibeah. Therefore remember that you. Me. I was once Gentiles in the flesh. Just like they were. I was called uncircumcised. By those who were circumcised. That at that time. I was without Christ. I was alien from the commonwealth of God and Israel. And I was strangers from the covenant of promise. And I had no hope in the world because I was without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off. Where did they come from? Far, far away. You who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace. And he has made us one. And broke down the middle wall of partition. That separated us. And he abolished with his flesh the enmity of the law. And he by himself made us one together with him. Therefore making peace. What were they asking for? Peace. We want a peace treaty. We want to be saved. We want to be delivered. Their deception was only for deliverance in the only way they knew how. Sometimes God brings you to him in the only way that he knows how to do it. 
And sometimes it's marvelous whenever we realize that I was a far country, that I was without God, and I was without hope. And I, folks, what that says right there in that verse is that if you are without Christ right now, you are still separated and you are still walking after the power of the one who rules, that's Satan, uh, the power of darkness. You are still walking in his ways if you have not made that commitment to Jesus Christ and being raised up into that newness of life to sit together with him in those places. This story of the Gibeonites is our story. It's the gospel being played out that we who were far away and had no hope and we were without Christ now. God has made a peace covenant with us that he's going to honor forever just as he honored that covenant that Joshua made with the Gibeonites. So as we get ready to close and, and Ron comes on up and gets, gets ready, I pray that today that the word of God has been alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is pierced into your heart. To where you will say, I am without God, I am without Christ, I am in a far country and I need Him. I need to be raised in faith with Him. I'm going to close out with one, one more scripture. Acts 22. Go ahead and give me that last slide, Miss T. Acts chapter 22. Paul was, was just the opposite. Paul was a zealous man like what? Saul was he was on the road to destruction because he was zealous and killing Christians and now it says what happened to him he's explaining to some people what happened to him and in verse 12 of chapter 26 listen close Acts 22 verse 12 says this a certain Ananias a devout man having a good testimony came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that same hour I was able to look at him. His eyes were opened to these things. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you. If you're sitting in here today, this same word goes to you. He has chosen you. That you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on the name of the Lord. And I ask that same question. If you are here today and you have not made that commitment, why are you waiting? What is keeping you from that decision Time is short. Things are going fast. Give your life to Jesus Christ this day. He has chosen you this day to hear that gospel and to be saved. Arise. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and call on the name of the Lord and wash away your sins. Those of us who have done that, this is a new call to honor God. One of the best places that there was. Was to be a servant in the house of God. Carrying water. 
and hauling wood or serving in a pantry or mowing grass, you name it. But the best blessing is because there you receive the blessings of God. So why do we wait to make those commitments? Father, this is one of the most enlightening and humbling messages that I have ever studied to see your grace to see your power to see how that you alone can turn cursing into blessing you can take those who were doomed for destruction and all they have to do is believe and hear your word and act upon it and they have a covenant oath of protection from you Father, then to think that that's really the story of us. We were Gentiles and far off from the commonwealth of God and from your house. And Father, you brought your word and we've heard and we've responded. And so, Father, be with each heart. And if there are those that need to make that decision today to arise and be baptized and wash away their sins. Why do they wait, dear sinner? Why do you wait? Come and do that today. We have the water ready. We have the towels. We even have clothes for you to change in so you don't go home wet. Why do you wait? And for those of us who have, why do we wait to serve you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and to love you as you want us to love you because of your rich graces and mercy that you've shown upon us? We thank you for this story, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may stand.